Welcome to this episode of the Becoming a Fulfillionaire show. Today I have a very special guest on here, mm. Samson, yeah. who I originally met, let me give you a little preface, at this 60-person men's retreat where I had probably the most profound witnessing experience mm. of breathwork and what would you call that, like channeling or expression or yeah. just deep, deep emotional work for these men. Mm. And some of these men had been through some very serious things in their life. So what I experienced in this room is 60 men screaming and crying at the same time. Mm. When you get 60 adult men doing that, and it's not in a place of battle or warriorship, and it's in a place of like mm. unloading mm. and really expressing everything that's inside of them, their shame, their guilt, their apathy, their fear, their anger, their yeah. rage, their courage, their yeah. willingness, all of that good stuff, yeah. all the way up to enlightenment by the end where they're yeah. crying <laughs> happy tears. Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautifully profound experience. And mm. I was like, I have got to learn more about what just happened. And I've experienced a lot of magical things. And that was one of the most magical of my entire mm. life. And Samson was a part of that. And I want to know all about why that <laughs> happened. So Samson, tell me about, <clears throat> let's, mm. let's go with the story of like, why is breathwork something important to you? Yeah. So, um, and thank you for having me on. Um, so a lot of the things that I offer or I support people with um, is something that I've had to experience in my own personal reality, my own life. Um, so where I was at in my life was um, I really I held a, a really strong and convicted idea and belief system that I wasn't enough. I wasn't worthy. Um, this was a result of the environment I grew up in as a kid. Um, where <clears throat> there was just a lot of emotional, mental, even at times physical, um, for a lack of a better word. I don't want to use the word abuse, but we'll just use that because it's easy to, 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 to express that. <clears throat> um, and at least that's how I took it on. So a lot of what I felt that was was a breaking down to put me in a journey of building back up. So what led me to breathwork was just this, this thirst, this, um, this seeking for myself to know like more of why I operate the way I operated, why I held this belief system, why um, I thought the way I, th why I felt the way I felt. And um, <clears throat> it started with, you know, reading books and then which led me to seminars. And I got invited by a dear friend um, to a breathwork session in Santa Monica about eight years ago. Yeah, eight, a little over eight years ago. And um, just because I'm open by nature, I was, I was in. <clears throat> I trusted them and I trusted my process, so I went. And there was about 15 of us in the room. I remember it being like a yoga studio, cars, car horns blaring outside, right? I'm like, okay. We're in a yoga studio. Sounds loud outside, and we're about to do something Zen-related, right? <laughs> like, okay, we trust. And then the instructor um, was like, okay, this is how we're going to breathe. This is what may happen. <clears throat> but regardless, just keep breathing. So I was breathing, and then 45 minutes to an hour after the session, I come out gasping for air because <sighs> um, I had went. I went. Oh, so you, like, woke up? Yeah, I, like... I came up and I looked around, everybody was already out of their experience. And I immediately 
had the thought of like, what the fuck was that? Because... And do you have memories of what happened during that 45 minutes to an uh, hour? I remember uh, viscerally like letting go of emotions. I remember tears. I remember visuals. Um, there was this visual where <clears throat> I was this, I don't know what I was, but I was this figure, this being. I had like white, a white robe on and I was standing in front of this, looked like a 2,000, 3,000 endless oak tree. And I, had, I placed my hand on it. And what was trippy about that, not so trippy, um, someone else saw that vision in their experience. So I was like, okay, there's an aspect of connectivity here, right? But for me, I woke up, I was like, what the fuck was that? Not so much be, not so much in relation to the fact of like the visuals or the emotional expression. It was more of this curiosity of how I was able to get to this place with my breath. Right, I didn't have to take anything. I didn't have to go to anything. I didn't have to <clears throat> uh, 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 welcome anything external. It was something that at the time I was so unconscious of. Right, it's like yeah, we breathe, but it's like I didn't know I can consciously manipulate my breath in a way to help me have that experience. So that led me down a path of just more curiosity. It was very, it was like curiosity. I didn't, I didn't really go as deep. Right. So I would create a practice daily that supported me in grounding, feeling centered. <clears throat> and then it was on and off through the years. And then um, I got invited to this little retreat, it was like a community leader retreat by a friend who now a friend who ended up being a mentor in the space for me. Um, the first night we went, we did breath work in an ice bath. And I was like, oh, shit, I remember this. I remember this feeling. I remember it's back. And that moment is where I was like, okay, I really need to start incorporating this consistently more in my life. <clears throat> because, again, it's, it's at least for me, it was very tough to forget that initial experience. So it like, it like almost turned the button back on mm. or picked, picked up where I left off from the last time. So I was like, okay, it's time to start incorporating this. So I really start to like dive in, do some studies, incorporated in my in my own practice and then uh over the last two years is where it really got serious for me where i got invited to uh, to 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 be well studied even more but also like now step and accept step inside of a place and accept that i can also support people with this so um one thing i love about the breath my favorite thing is one of my favorite things everyone has access to it mm. Doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. It doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter what your what class you're in. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it transcends any type of se like separation or difference. Everybody's breathing. If you're watching this, you're breathing, and that's one of my favorite things. And then the next thing is being able to have an instant response, an instant result, just by being able to check in and have like take three deep breaths. It's like, that's already enough for you to know there's something here that my body responds to when I breathe. <clears throat> and as I learned more and more, um, I realized that many people aren't actually breathing. They're not breathing and they're not breathing correctly and the side effects of that. So 
the powerful thing about breath is when you're able to now gain conscious control of how to move it, how to manipulate it, how to uh, direct it in a certain way, how it brings regulation to your system, how it brings calm and groundedness to your system. And it's from that place, which essentially what I like to call the present, like the breath helps us get present from that place is where you can affect or create real change in your life. Um, yeah. So what is the ideal, like we're sitting here talking right. or someone's watching this, what's that ideal breathing look like? So essentially, uh, the first thing is that I, I'm a, I'm a big advocate by, by being able to meet people where they're at. So the first thing is knowing how you're breathing in the moment. Okay. So if we do like a check-in right now. A check-in. Yep. feels like a lot of my breath is coming from my belly, mm -hmm. maybe 80% from there, and then mm -hmm. maybe... 10% from my chest and maybe 10% from my throat. Mm -hmm. You'd be an efficient breather. Okay. Because essentially this is where we, we want the breath in the belly, AKA the diaphragm. Um, that, that's where, that's, that's where the, the, the effective breath is, is like, this is where deep breathing happens. So, uh, deep breathing is what stimulates the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. And when you stimulate the vagus nerve, which is the main component, one of the main components of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is relax, rest, digest. This is how you're able to create this felt sense of just calm, this groundedness. So um, when we check in is you you did it actually absolutely correctly is to find where your breath is. That's the first thing. Um, and when you find where your breath is, is to also notice its behavior. Mm. So how is it breathing? Are you, is, is there like a certain pace to it? Is it fast? Is it shallow? Is it narrow? Is it deep? Is it? In your chest is in your belly uh, some people like it's it's in their throat like how do how is your body responding to it so the body's always communicating um, the the language of the breath and the breath is always communicating the language of the body so it's to check in and really see where it is and without and I and I and I and I say this it's without judgment it's like oh is something wrong no it's this is just where you are Without judgment, I immediately invite people to see if they can direct their breath just a little bit lower than it is. If it's in your chest, bring it a little lower, a little lower than that, a little lower than that. And they'll feel the immediate response. Mm -hmm. What can support is putting a hand on your belly and then inhaling into your belly through your nose and pushing the hand out pretty much, expanding the belly and then exhaling and pushing the stomach out back in. So ideally, how we want to breathe is nasally. In through the nose. Out through the nose. And it's funny, I'm doing that. Just do it. It's like, it's an immediate response. Mm. Because I'm stimulating the aspects of the body that is signaling that, oh, there's no danger. There's no threat around. So you can actually... Relax. You can calm down. Hmm. Yeah. So what are the benefits that when you have those experiences where you saw the giant oak tree, mm. what are the <laughs> things, because you can't unsee it, yep. right? And you've now mm. dove into teaching experiences like that. What are the benefits of doing breath work at that level? So now we know the benefits of just right. getting the breathing so the to deep, move the down. deep breath. Yeah. Or, or <clears throat> the 
I, I let's just go straight into yeah. it. Like, what are the various types of breath work that you work with now yeah. with people? Yeah. And what are the benefits of those various types? And I know that maybe some of those benefits are not like concrete. Like you never know what someone's yeah. going to experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what are the different types that you use and why? So the interesting thing, they all have similarities. They're all different patterns that support in getting to a place. And essentially the place is so if we were to look at it scientifically right when you're when you're inhaling right when you're filling your brushing with oxygen at a very big level so let's say you're doing a wim hof which is super you know ventilation or you're doing the transformational breath which is which is still a two-part breath is still bringing in a lot of oxygen or you're doing holotropic which is just intense breathing right for for hours or you're doing a circular breath where it's right you're still bringing in a lot of oxygen <clears throat> but what's happening simultaneously is this off-gassing of CO2, right? And when there's not enough CO2 in the body, when there's a lot of oxygen in the body, the, the brain, the, the cells can't use the oxygen because there's no CO2. And this almost stops blood flow to certain aspects of our systems, like the limbic system or the prefrontal cortex that's normally responsible for overthinking, right? So wait, what you just said is that we need we need to make sure we have enough CO2. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So it's breathing out less. Yes. Oh. It's not oxygen. People think it's oxygen. It's CO2. Mm. CO2 is a vasodilator. That's right. what creates. Because to my knowledge, right, we always have enough yep. oxygen. Yep. It's it's actually we're, we're just needing to get rid of some extra. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is CO2 is it's, kind of the, the golden thing here. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So that's what a lot of people think. They think it's oxygen. So CO2 is the is the it's the thing. So what happens is now, because there's no blood flow to these certain areas, situations that you normally would overthink in, you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Situations where you judge yourself or judge other people, you're not doing that. Situations where you block emotions, it's not there. So now in these situations where you're breathing in these patterns, right? I'll, I like to explain it like this. Imagine, I actually was just talking about this. Imagine there's a hose that's running with water and this hose water again, it's symbolic of emotions, right? So literally there's hose that's just flowing with water. Um, and I am a firm believer that what comes in must go out. So there's this flow and you put your hand on it. What naturally happens? Like you're stopping the flow, but while you're stopping the flow simultaneously, there's a backup. So over the years, just through the mechanisms that we've built, as kids that we've carried into our adulthoods, which, you know, are a culmination of our judgments, which are come from our thoughts or beliefs, you know, the emotions we feel or don't feel like we create, we tend to create these bricks that build these walls. And these walls is what not just, it's an illusion that it's protecting us, but it's keeping things out and also not letting anything in. So now when you're in these situations where your body through proper context, right? You've given yourself permission to feel safe and then you allow yourself to breathe in these patterns and this this, this uh, chemistry, this chemical change is happening in your body. Now, all those things that had the wall stuffing them down, the hand on the hose, all of a sudden opens up and then there's literally this allowing of whatever's been backed up for years. So that's what you experience <clears throat> possibly that day with the 60 men, um, one, there's an aspect of the, 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 the 
regulation of the self when you're breathing in yourself but collectively there's this energetic buy-in there's this nervous system buy-in where it's like oh we're all doing this together so we're all safe now there's this co-regulation that happens where permission is granted not just from the self but collectively to where all, everybody's like okay i'm just gonna let it out here <clears throat> because i can it's safe nervous systems like there's no danger around okay cool let it let it go so what you're saying is <clears throat> when we do any of these breathwork modalities we're removing bricks from this wall in my opinion yes have you <laughs> is it always positive <laughs> uh it's never it's never negative okay um the my personal how i like to do it is like i i over communicate and i over create context because the more i do that because i i'm only a guide that's it like i'm i'm just gonna say it on record i am not a healer i don't have that much power right we heal ourselves what I do is I supporting co-creating an environment where somebody can willingly choose that they want to heal themselves. So what happens is like I just over over communicate context. And the more that someone knows what to expect, the there's an ease they can step into to just feel like, okay, cool, I get to have the experience I'm meant to have. So does it ever go not positive? Like I haven't had that experience yet because I just do my due diligence and dotting as many I's as I can, crossing enough T's and making sure the person has an environment that is safe enough for them to choose that they can feel safe to go. Mm. So if someone is watching this and they realize like this is like, I, even I'm like, I would love to do more of this. Yeah, I've yeah. had these experiences and, and just the context you're giving now, I'm like, yeah. wow, I'd love to make this a part of I don't know if it's a daily practice mm. that you should do or maybe yeah, like a yeah. once a week practice yeah. because some of this could like the holotropic experiences yeah, yeah, can yeah, be yeah. quite deep. It's almost like plant medicines. Like you only want to do it so often yeah. because there's a lot of integration and I'm processing. a big advocate for that. So if anybody is asking like in relation to like these deep sessions, I only recommend a deep sessions at once a month. Mm. And it depends on, depends on how you experience that maybe once every other month. If you are, if your system is, can handle it and you have the proper, you know, support and environment, the most twice a month, but nothing beyond that, right? But I would recommend at least probably just once a month at most, right? even just to be safe. And then on a daily is at home techniques, right? Um, so what I was, the community I was brought up in, you know, a mentor shared that the breath is like the remote control for the nervous system. So it's this, it's this tool you have to put you in a driver's seat of how you want to feel at will. So on a daily basis is creating a daily practice to support. I think what helps is why a lot of us aren't breathing effectively or efficiently or correctly is because we don't have a relationship to our breath. It's like a new person that you meet, you don't know them until you spend time with them until you get to learn them and they learn you until you communicate till you have conversations like until you really create this environment of connection so why it's important to have a daily practice is because it supports you in connecting and building a relationship with your breath when you are connected with your breath it's like a you're not forcing it to do any you're working with it you're almost hand in hand with your breath so now it can help you 
support in how you choose to feel. So mm -hmm. there are many things you could do for a daily practice. There are many practice. I mean, there's a box breath you can do. Literally takes minutes. There's the coherence and, breath. And when you say <clears throat> building the relationship, it's yeah. really like, uh, to me, what I'm thinking is, okay, yeah. like box breathing as an example, yep. right? And, and what we did earlier, just 10 minutes ago, yep. where it's like, okay, notice where it is. Mm -hmm. Notice how you feel. Mm -hmm. Move it down. Mm -hmm. Notice how you feel. Mm -hmm. That's that's building a relationship, yep. right? You now notice that by doing it, you shift yep. in some way. And now you have what we call in the dojo, like a body map. Yes. Where you're like, oh, when I do that, this happens. Yes. That's part of a relationship. So yes. then box breathing, like how do I feel before? Yes. Do it. How do I feel after? That's building a relationship. Yes. Right? Okay. There's one of my one of my favorite quotes. It's the Greek quote. At least we're, we're told it's Greek, but it's know thyself. I think there, there's nothing that really supersedes that, right? It's, it's just like when you know yourself... Like if you walk into a room and you are more aware of what happens in your body when you walk into a room, like you have, you're empowered as opposed to now walking into a room, now not taking on a bunch of shit, you have no idea what's going on. Like now you're, you've given your power away to this external circumstance where it could dominate you, can overpower you because you have no connection to what's happening here. So the breath is a really powerful tool to support in that. And like you said, it's like, it's also a real time experience you can feel instantly. It's like, okay, when I do this breath, this is how I feel. When I do this breath, it's how I feel. Okay, when, I ha when I'm in this situation and I'm getting riled up, my system's getting charged up, if I breathe this way, this is what happens. I had a client share with me, uh, this, is one of, I, this is one of my favorite things. She reached out, she just, you know, in gratitude was like, thank you so much for what I've learned under your guidance. <clears throat> my daughter, you know, was having a meltdown before she was going to school. And she was like, I just was able to step into co in confidence and just being able to share with her something like the box breath. And then she said, her daughter, calm down, had a beautiful day at school. And I was like, for me, that's the win. That's the first place trophy right there. It's like, because life is going to keep lifing like we're gonna we're gonna encounter a lot of these situations mm. but it's not about like we can't change that we can change how we experience that though and the breath can support in how we experience our lives right mm. yeah so i guess can we can we do this real quick can yes. we do a box breath real quick yes. can you can you lead that yeah so for people who are driving don't do this no or at least keep at your least, eyes open or no don't even do like i would park so <laughs> disclaimer never do breathing exercise when you're driving yeah side note i'm just gonna say unless you know yourself just don't do it again i'm just gonna because yeah it can create a sense of calm that can maybe yeah, you get too relaxed that you. Mm. Yeah, just don't want. Can I do this while I'm walking? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you can you can actively breathe while you're walking. But I was gonna say something. So there's the box breath, there's the coherent breath, there's the four seven eight breath, there's the bellow breath. There's many techniques that take minutes. What's your favorite? The coherent breath. Let's do it. And it's very simple. Mm -hmm. It's actually it's similar to the box breath, but there are no holds. Yeah. So what's the context like? What what ideally am I looking for before and after this breath? Beautiful. So the first always is, is checking in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I would say give at least 30 seconds just to, to, to almost like be aware of your system to see where it's at. Because oftentimes when you're when you're doing an active breathing practice, you're you're coming from something, you're checking out of something, either what you were doing 
or what you were up to. And it's like you're coming into a different context, a different setting. So really, really honoring your body and yourself by checking in and seeing what that feels like. So I'm paying attention to mm -hmm. like the speed of my thoughts, maybe speed of your thoughts. I'd even say allow your thoughts to do what they're doing. Mm. Um, and then slowly start to check into what you're feeling. The first thing um, is noticing any sensations and where they may be in your body and without judgment, without the need to redirect or have it be any other way than it is, just noticing. And the next thing would be to just notice the breath, where the breath is, what it's doing, how it's breathing. And this is just a form of almost acknowledging that it's presence, that you're here now to take conscious control of it. Because majority of the time we're involuntarily breathing. And the coherent breath is very, very simple. It's a six second inhale through the nose and six second exhale through the nose. So we're gonna start on me, three, <clears throat> two. And we wanna breathe into the belly, into the diaphragm. One, inhale. Five, six, exhale. Inhale, two, three, Four, five, six, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, inhale, two, three, four, five, six, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, inhale, two, three, four, five, six, exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three. Four, five, last one. Inhale, two, three, four, five, six. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six. Let's return to normal breathing. How do you feel? I felt really good before. Mm. I think the difference is, this is going to be interesting to describe. Mm. And I'm, I'm just going to go <clears throat> full on with that. It feels like if before I was very present in my center, mm. I'm now feel more present in my whole. Mm. Like, like it was very much here. And now it's like my shoulders feel more and like beyond my shoulders. Yep. It just feels more like yeah. I've expanded. Yeah. Yeah. My awareness has expanded yep. and at the same time feels more focused. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite breaths, one, because of its simplicity. 
but two, it's called the coherent breath because it's essentially bringing coherence to with your breath to your heart, your brain, um, and your emotions. So it brings coherence physiologically and also emotionally. Um, and I, a lot of why there's many health issues, I mean, and this is a nuanced conversation. There are many factors to why someone is having health challenges or health issues or why we age faster, right? Um, I, I, I liken it to if you're going to go buy like a, a car, let's say it's a used car, outside of the price, the make, the model, right? What do you look for? How many miles it has how many miles how it has. it's been driven yeah, yeah. now why do you why do you look for the miles amount of wear and tear so the miles represent the wear of tear the usage of the car same thing for our bodies except now it's not just so much the miles or the age but the usage of how much our organs have to work especially when they don't need to so then it brings me to the conversation of a lot of people's baseline being in stress, sympathetic nervous system, where there's no actual threat. There's an illusion of a threat, but now your system is charged up like there is, right? You could have had an experience where there's something that happened with a white wall. And every time you see a white wall, you char your system gets charged, chemicals flooding your body, adrenaline, cortisol, your heart rate's beating, right? So now this is creating more wear and tear on the body in situations that really doesn't need it. So now imagine you're just at rest, but you're stressed at rest. And now your heart's beating faster, you're breathing faster, you're putting more wear and tear on these muscles that ages you faster. Hmm. Why I like the coherent breath, essentially <clears throat> the average person breathes anywhere between 15 to 20 breaths a minute, sometimes 30. So now we're talking about miles, right? <laughs> miles. The coherent breath, because you're breathing for six seconds in and six seconds out, it brings that down to five breaths in a minute. Hmm. So that's really different. Hmm. Here's what's powerful about that. You felt the immediate response. I didn't just feel centered, I felt whole, I felt relaxed. So now you're not putting as many miles in your car, especially when you don't need to. Obviously there's gonna be situations where you need to charge your system or you need to be in sympathetic because it's healthy. It's, I mean, the healthy sympathetic nervous system supports in healthy drive. So it's healthy, but when it's unnecessary, you're putting unnecessary wear and tear in your body, but now this, it's like, oh wait, I could just relax. Heart rate slower. I'm not breathing as fast. I'm relaxed. I'm resting. The body is able to do what it needs to because it's not worrying about if there's danger around. This is why I love this breath because it's simple, but it brings everything back into center. It's very mm -hmm. simple. The box breath does the same same thing, but this is just simple because there are no holds. Yeah. So. I'm going to I'm going to take a 90 degree turn in the best way. <laughs> What's shifted in your life since mm. breathwork came into it? Like what are yeah. and I'm asking this story context yeah, yeah. of like what can we expect mm. over time and and where did you come from and how how has that shifted your life over time? Um the first thing is just this feeling at home in yourself. What's not feeling at home in yourself feel like? 
always having to look over your shoulder, mm. feeling like everywhere you walk into is a threat, feeling dysregulated. What's um, dysregulated feel like? Uh, just completely like out of body, like charged, stressed. Uh, this is what it feels like for me. Um, fight or flight, essentially, or freeze. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what dysregulation is. And, and, and for me, it's like, it's it's always the big difference between the moments where it's necessary versus the moments where it's not necessary and a lot of people are in the unnecessary moments in those states um what else can it support with honestly calm centered centeredness joy feeling fulfilled feeling whole uh, there's a lot beautiful yeah okay so where were you when you had that first experience and how did seeing the yeah. giant oak tree and all that start to shift your life yeah so like i like i mentioned my story was a lot rooted in and just feeling not enough um unworthy seeking external validation <clears throat> definitely dysregulated you wouldn't know but because it wasn't so much fight or flight but it was more of like freezing like i would shut down in certain situations um I mean, lack of self-belief, didn't trust myself. And then <clears throat> with breathing, not just the daily practice. The daily practice helps with the integration. It's almost supporting this new way of being, right? Supporting creating a new inner environment that doesn't represent this old story, right? So it's like when you choose a new way of being, when you choose like, okay, cool, I don't want to associate with this aspect of myself that isn't essentially me anymore, and you want to choose this new way of being it takes practice and you know being able to have a practice in something like breath can support in grounding that you know the felt sense of what that is so it's like if i feel not enough <clears throat> well for me i'm just gonna affirmation never worked for me because it was just i can say it but my body was saying something else mm. <clears throat> so the breath can support in getting to a place where you can visualize something but then with your breath, you can like help yourself feel that, right? And the more felt sense you can create, the more it's locked into your system, the more it's integrated and it helps usher in this different version of you. Um, so yeah, that's where I was at. And then I just honestly start to incorporate more breathing. And I just notice it. I notice when, I, when I'm breathing in through my nose as opposed to through my mouth, it's supporting my athletic performance, especially in a physical health standpoint. Um, <clears throat> I mean, how has it affected this conversation of self-worth and like self-love mm. that you brought up? Like, what is that? Yeah. And also like still, what's the, what, what did you get out of this image of the oak tree eventually? Because I'm sure it was so yeah. foreign <clears throat> at first, but now yeah. that it's been eight years, mm. what is that? It's funny you asked that. So I think we were talking about earlier is just. And you're getting ready to go to the jungle for two weeks. So there's this. Mm, I'm just getting chills actually mm. thinking about it. So there's this idea that had people, some two people really close to me that can like see, like they just they they can see somebody. He's like, oh, this is what you're meant to do. There's this idea um, percolating and almost lurking in my spirit of like shamanism, but I've been intimidated by by it because of my self-worth conversation, my not enoughness, <clears throat> and also just this idea of what a shaman is. Um, and what I was missing is that 
we're in 2022 and the idea of what that is is different especially in the modern world so now that you ask that question literally literally right now in the moment i just realized oh that's probably what that meant that's probably what that meant it's like this is just a reminder or this is just an indication or tapping the shoulder like this is what you're meant to be doing <clears throat> um but to answer your question so when i'm in deep sessions deep sessions really help with this and how it's helped steer the conversation well the conversation is rooted in a past that's frozen so some trauma that that i experienced right and then i allowed the residue of that trauma to linger as to why i build a foundation of the story that i'm not enough and unworthy so when i'm in deep sessions for myself i get to meet those parts of me right like we explain what happens in the body i get to free some of those emotions that i haven't expressed because i've trapped them i've locked them hence i froze them in myself so that's why i kept repeating this story this conversation so in sessions like that it's an opportunity for me to release it's a lot of energy that i had stored that were that were the essentially the 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 pillars of what's holding this story up there's a story but there's also the emotions, the feelings that actually make the story real, right? Because there's the mental stuff, but there's what the body holds. The body remembers everything. So the 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 felt sense of what was keeping the story up um, was released. And once that's released, like I was mentioning, I get to choose something different. So um, posted deep sessions is where the real work happens, where the daily practice is important. Right. So the daily breathing practice, right, which is going to support the felt sense of creating this new conversation, this story. So, yeah, it's the it's the big sessions that really help free up a lot of this stuff, clear a lot of the internal clutter. And then I get to reimagine um, or re re. Yeah, reimagine myself in a new way. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's funny, I, I was actually I had a rebirthing breathwork session. So rebirthing is a different type of breathing um style and um it was led by uh a guy aaron overstreet um and it was via zoom so again like it doesn't matter like it could be powerful <clears throat> so i was via zoom and i was laying there and i'm i'm in it and this time i've had a good amount of breathwork sessions so i go into every session and i share this with people i go go into every session like it's your first no expectations so i allowed and I no expectations. And so I'm breathing, right? And there's something that happens called tetany, where you cramp, right? Alligator arms, your lips. And this is a response to not having CO2 in the body. So, so because in the, the oxygen can't be used, so this is what happens. So this is a response. So again, I'm I think this is one of the first times I experienced it. So I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> What's going on? But I know, like I just gotta keep breathing through it. And as I'm breathing through this, my I immediately go to this vision. So I lived in Nigeria for two and a half years with my grandmother, my brother, my cousin, and my uncles on my mom's side. And one of the days I was going to school, um, and table tennis, aka ping pong, it's a really, really big thing in Nigeria. So my brother loved it. So he was supposed to be walking me to school. And um, he decides, I'm gonna go play table tennis I trust you to be able to get to the school. So there's where he plays and there's maybe 50 feet to the street. And then between 
the sh like the road and where my school is is maybe another hundred feet. So I go to the street. I do what we're taught. Look left, look right. There's nothing coming. Look left, look right. There's nothing coming. Okay. Look left. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna go. I walk in the middle of the street. Here comes a motorcycle. I get smacked by the motorcycle. I'm on the ground. The guy picks up his bike and rides away. During this breathing session, my body contorted to the position I was in when I got hit. Hmm. And I had this immediate thought. I was like, oh. And I kept breathing. And the more I kept breathing, it was this, I just, it's like someone deflated a balloon. It was, and what I realized in that moment, I was still carrying a lot of that energy in myself that I didn't let go of from that day. Emotions that I didn't let go of from that day. Thoughts that I had built on top of that situation. Um, in that moment, I completed a cycle. So what, what I mean by that is when a situation happens and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to fully like express it, right? Physiologically and emotionally. And we, again, part of the brain, part of the limbic system, the prefrontal cortex jumps in the way and is like, nope, nope, we're gonna make this mean whatever. And I don't let my body fully express what it needs to either shake or let it go. Now I've now inhibited this expression of the flow. Back to the hose that I was talking about. Well, this is an uncompleted cycle. I am now living my life from this place. Mm. So from I was six or five or six, I am now carrying that energy in myself and now life is starting to be lived from an uncompleted cycle. But what happens is now I have an uncompleted cycle that leads to, because I just taught myself that I'm not going to do that, that leads to another uncompleted cycle, uncompleted cycle. Now there's this building block or wall of all these unexpressed, suppressed and repressed emotions, feelings, physiological expressions that I haven't. And, and I, I think that for me, the simple answer, the reason why I couldn't is because I just didn't feel safe. That was not a safe environment. I just got hit by a motorcycle. So, and then nobody knows what happened. I passed out. I wake up in my home, like being wrapped up in bandages. So my, my six-year-old self is like, what just happened? No safety. So in that breathing experience is where my body decided, oh, okay, you're safe right now, right? Let's let this go. Complete a cycle. Mm. And it makes sense too with this whole idea of like the body was just trying to protect you and in a world where danger yep. is a regular thing yes that's super valuable right if you were living in a world where war was in the norm and you yep. were going to die at 35 <clears throat> yep. and you know a couple thousand years ago yep. that makes complete sense absolutely like now <laughs> it's unfortunate um and fortunate right like yep. the body was trying to protect you which is yep. great <clears throat> once you can recognize how that's affecting you yeah on a daily basis and affecting your life and you know it's that subconscious yeah. it that could have affected literally every decision you made yep. to some extent and like you said like over time especially as that builds and yep. more experiences happen yeah because at that point you're really recreating that experience again and again and absolutely. again absolutely right? absolutely how did you recreate that how like what were other things that happened oh. because of that <clears throat> you think i mean i can't pinpoint but i i know just i mean if i'm if my experience was one that wasn't enough, like, oh, easily, I would hesitate. I wouldn't follow through. Like, so again, it's like, 
I walked in the middle of the street and I got hit by a motorcycle. And that represents me now because I didn't fully allow myself to let that go. Now, other proverbial streets in my life, like committing hmm. to a project, committing to taking ownership of something, I would hesitate. Right. So that compounded in many areas where I just wouldn't, again, it, it also created this idea of like not believing in myself. So I wouldn't hesitate. And when I would hesitate, when I would hesitate, that reaffirmed the belief and I would hesitate even more. So now it's this compounding of just more calcification of this idea, this thought process, right? That it's what's interesting is the story that I help internally life was reflecting back to me externally. Mm -hmm. So I was just creating this cycle. So no matter what, I was just reaffirming the truth that my system wanted to keep because I had now built this new sense of safety in, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy. And don't cross the street. Yes, which essentially started from a very valid place of my system wanting to protect me, don't cross the street. Yeah, and as a six-year-old, there's no, no resources. There's no way you could deal with that. No, yeah. no resources, no idea, no education on how to even deal with that. So yeah, but I just think about, then I also think about so many other people who have those other streets where it's actually not a physical street, it's now become a different street in their life where there's no imminent threat. There's no actual danger, but because there's an uncompleted cycle, the body's now locked that as, oh no, that's a threat. Like the, the things that I wanted to commit to and I would hesitate on were things that I knew were gonna change my life and benefit me. Yeah. But my body in, in its infinite wisdom and its uh ability right because here's the thing like it's not it wasn't bad it's not bad that it's doing that it's doing its job of course my body wanted to protect me so now with breath we're able to now recondition right ourselves reprogram ourselves regulate ourselves reset ourselves from a new place of completing the cycles that are still holding up these stories that are not helping us live out the lives we want to lead, live or experience the aliveness we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a, you're a parent, yeah? I am. <clears throat> if you had a six-year-old that went through this, <clears throat> as a parent, is there anything you can do? <clears throat> what would you say? How? Yeah. It's such a good question. And uh, I love this question because this is something we're actively doing, my wife and I. Um, my daughter is one of my best gifts for the mm. reason of one, she's my daughter and she's she's my child, but or at least I'm I'm here to guide her, right? Um, but because she's also teaching me about myself and the things I didn't know about myself as a kid, so I'm learning a lot of the things that I didn't know about myself as a kid through her. Um, so if something were to happen like that. For us, my wife and I know that for us now is to make sure that there's an environment for her to express everything she needs to express, feel everything she needs to feel. And also we're teaching her now how to associate certain sensations, right, with emotion. So it's like we're, we're, we're helping her give a name to as best as we could, right? Because I'm also a firm believer that even though we have language, it's also not enough to describe what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no physical verbal language for actually what's happening, but for her we're helping her like really really like right support us in conveying what's going on. So, 
let's say she falls, right? She starts to cry. She actually looks around. And there's there's literally no expression on my face. We just I just I just kind of hold that hold that space for her. It's like, and she starts crying. I'm like, hey, come here, baby. Um, show me where it hurts. Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? And she points. And if it hurts, I'm like, it's okay. Not what I heard growing up. Suck it up. It doesn't hurt. Don't cry. This is that's, and again, it's not the fault of my parents or my elders. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like all this, everything that was passed down is just the ignorance of, again, not knowing ourselves. Mm. And their context of where they came from. They came yes. from a very different Absolutely. time and generation. Absolutely. What, is your, what does your wife do in these situations? So um, I'm assuming like that was a very masculine approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you just described. Right, right, right. What does she do in so a similar... So she, she nurtures her. You know, mm-hmm. for, for, for my wife, she steps into the nurturing role and just really holds her. Um, but we we have an agreement that it's like because we we grew up in environments that that was stifled we we won't we won't stifle that something that we actually found too so kids for all parents out there you know that your children will often throw sometimes tantrums mm, right really what what's that <laughs> right what we learned is that when they actually throw tantrums is because they feel safe doing so mm. You say that one more time. When kids throw tantrums and they're like really, really having a moment, it's because they feel safe doing so. Mm. And it makes me just think about like years, thousands of years ago, like if you were in nature, you couldn't, you couldn't do that Mm because that was signaling that come get me pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, holy crap. I now see the biological like, like uh, uh, a design of why we do what we do. So. We watch her sometimes she'll she'll have a big moment and it's one of those moments where you just i'll just sit i won't even it's okay baby yep it's all right and then when she's done she's right back yeah that's beautiful it was like this offloading of things she was carrying so we noticed like sometimes she'll go somewhere because she's very she's very empathic she'll take in a lot and we something else that we teach her is we just have to remind her hey, this is not yours you don't have to get this so sometimes she'll go somewhere and she'll now take on all this stuff and bring it home because she can't let it go out there she'll bring it home and all of a sudden she'll just let loose mm. or she'll unconsciously take on our stuff right and then all of a sudden she's like letting loose and we're like you know I'll have a conversation with my wife what's going on and then the first thing we check in is like, yo, how are we showing up? Because kids at a very young age, they are also amplifiers of the energy of those who they're around. So it's like we, for us, is making sure that we're in a place that we're good so she doesn't take that on. And now we're teaching her what's hers and what's not. But yeah, like that's some of the things that we do, just making sure that there's an environment for her to just be all of herself, not just, oh, be a good girl. Or don't be a bad girl. Like it's it's in a it's a form of again un because our parents and their parents didn't know, but it was a form of domestication. Mm. It was a form of domestication, and like you, a domesticated human is essentially a robot. Yes, it's not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then I've got I've got two like little patches I want to hit on that topic. Mm. The first one is: Do you ever put 
well, actually, let me do the other one first. The other one is everything you just said for this mm. last bit should absolutely be applied to adults as well, mm. right? Like, absolutely. Do you feel safe enough to like <clears throat> not use words to express it, but mm. like use what it actually feels yep. like to express it? Yep. And just making sure everyone around you knows like it's totally not about them. Yep. I'm just going to do this thing. Very, very important. Yeah. It's not about very you or important. what you did. This very is, important. This is just the feeling. Very important. Don't take it out personally, right? It's very important. Um, I talk about having healthy environments of expression, um, just like joy wants to be expressed and that's easy to express with your loved ones and stuff. Everyone so does, loves it when you do it. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Yes, please. More of that. But so does anger. What do you, what do you recommend for that? When you say you, like a safe place to express. Right. So there, there are multiple things you can do. I'm a, so when I say a safe place to express, it's also a safe place to move it. Okay. So when you experience enjoy, you're probably laughing. You're probably doing something fun. You're moving. You're moving the energy. Well, the same thing on the other side. So with anger, anger is an emotion. I mean, yeah, you can sit with it, right? It could come up in the, in the form of tears, sometimes like yelling, Right. Sometimes I'll have people like literally grab a pillow and just like like primal scream into the pillow, just primal and into the pillows. So you're not disturbing people around, especially if you haven't informed them or primal screaming just just in general, just to get it out. Right. Um, but moving your body is a great way to move energy. Like for me, when I feel it sometimes when I feel anger, I go. The idea is to be in a place where. You're shifting the energy into something productive or healthy, or if not, you're going to. It's going to backfire on you. I, that was my case for a while. It backfired, and it wasn't self physical harm. It was just self emotional, mental harm I was causing myself. Just heavy doubt, right? Just a lot of that worry. Um, just, yeah. So the idea is to have something, a practice where there can be a healthy expression of it. So you know, like. We live in a world that, and I say unconsciously because I'm very clear that if people knew, they wouldn't do it. So we, there's, there's, a, there's a level of ignorance as to the judgment we have over certain emotions. Anger is bad. Unhealthy anger is bad. Unhealthy anger is negative. Anger can be productive if it's used in the right way. If you're backed against the corner and a pit bull's got you right there, you need your sympathetic nervous system to, to come online. You need the cortisol. You need the adrenaline. You need to get in fight or flight. You essentially may need to channel anger to either protect yourself or get the frick out of there, right? In that situation, anger is great. Mm. So it's very situational, one, but two, like making sure that and it takes knowing yourself because there's one thing to also have these processes of like always yelling in a pillow or always primal screaming and not like using that as a crutch as well. Mm. The other level of that is to actually know the source of why you're angry. That's the real remedy. So it's like when you know why you're angry, get as close as you can, at least to the edge of what that is, and create a remedy for that. Again, probably a deep session of breath work or a consistent practice of just like offloading that emotion, right? And then eventually anger won't be overpowering you. I'm a I'm a I like to explain it that, that we're, we're, we're like a wire, right? We're like a wire for current to come through. That's it. Our job is to just experience it. It's not to take it on, but experience it. So if it comes through, okay, cool. It must be coming through for a reason. 
Why is anger my experience right now? Notice I didn't say, why am I angry? Why am I experiencing anger right now? Because it's a temporary thing. Okay, cool. This didn't happen, that didn't happen. Okay, great. What's my remedy for this right now? What's a way that I can support myself in moving this energy, right? Or transmuting <laughs> this energy into something more productive. I can use that anger and channel it into drive to go get some work done, right? I can use that anger to go run. There's, there's a lot of things you can use these emotions for, um, but holding it, trapping it, suppressing it eventually works against us. Yeah. So that kind of attaches directly to my second question. And I, I have a third that popped up yep. during that. And the second thing is, I was going to ask you, mm. like within your daughter and you're out in public and things, like where do you put <clears throat> kind of the limits to the expression of some of these yep. things? And yep. how do you how do you do that in a way where she feels like she's not being yep. <clears throat> you know, boxed in? And one of the answers mm. that kind of popped up while you were saying that is ceremony. And I think that's what you're sort of talking about mm. now. And I've learned a lot about that in the last few weeks here of why it's important that the whole video I'm making is about that. Yeah. <clears throat> it eventually taught me the importance of ceremony, the importance of saying like, okay, once a week or once a month or yeah. once a quarter, <clears throat> we're going to have these ceremonial yes. times yes. to really go through the expression yes. of so many things we, we yes. are experiencing <clears throat> inside. And then before I lose that other thing, I would like to also ask after we can talk about how do you set those limits for your daughter and yeah. like what's the container there that you found works well? Yeah. And so along the emotional yeah. spectrum, what about apathy? Hmm. So how do we experience or express <clears throat> apathy and move hmm. that? Because anger I get, shame even I get, guilt even I get, right? Hmm. Really like leaning into those things. But how do we become a wire for apathy? Let me let me ask you this because everyone's description of it. What's your what's your definition of apathy? So as an example, you wake up in the morning and you've got all of these things you want to accomplish or do. I feel like my example of this is going to be very different than the classical. Okay, so so there will be days, even for me, where I'll wake up and I'll say, okay, I know that I'm building these three or four things right. for the world <clears throat> and that it really helps people. Right. There's not a lot of emotional charge some days mm. to do that unless there's someone in front of me mm. that really needs that help, that needs that guidance, mm. right? Mm. Mm. And I'm sure you experience this in your mm -hmm. work, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you get there, you're like so present and mm -hmm. in the moment and it's beautiful and you're crying because mm -hmm. it's changing them so much. And then there's days where you're doing all the back end work mm -hmm. and you're doing all of the operational or admin stuff where mm -hmm. you're like, hmm, hmm. How do you move that energy? Or how would you recommend that? Mm. By moving. Mm -hmm. Literally. Sometimes, you know, there's this, there's this saying or notion, we have to feel to heal. Um, um, that's, that's one level. If you notice that nothing is changing, there's, it's very counterproductive to just sit in it, move. That's what the body's for. Sometimes it just needs a different current or a different channel to move the current. So move. It can be going for a walk. It could be literally like jumping in place and just shaking your body. It could be um, changing, even changing the scenery. Sometimes the scenery 
your in, your immediate environment could be triggering that feeling. So it's like uh, one of my biggest remedies is going into nature, going into nature and like allowing nature to reflect back to you, like the source or the meaning, possible meaning of why you're feeling what you're feeling. But the immediate thing that came to me is just move, mm. you know, and it doesn't have to be a specific way. There's this, there's this, um, there's this culture of what what I'm realizing in what you're saying yeah. is that all of the other emotions naturally involve movement, yeah. right? When you feel shame, like there's a movement associated with that. When you feel anger, of course. When you feel joy, enlightenment, courage, there's movement. Apathy is the only one where movement is not the thing you want to do. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. I love this. When you're in that state, just move until it's moved out. Yeah. Right. And just knowing that it's it's like all the others. Yeah. In that, with if you use move, breath, and sound, yes. right? Movement, breath, and sound yes. are the somatics. Sound is actually a very, it's another powerful tool. Mm. Like, yeah, because it's like, it's... It's vibration. Mm-hmm. And it's, you want to imagine, so, still mm-hmm. water is dead water. When you move it, it wakes up again. Mm. It's living now. So it's like... Ooh, ooh, just say that one more time. <clears throat> Still water is dead water. When it, when it's moving again, it's living. So again, when you look at apathy, it's like this dullness that's like, sometimes you just need to move it and vibration can help. Humming, humming is a powerful tool. Mm. Humming is a powerful tool. Again, it's, it stimulates the vagus nerve. It stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system because you wouldn't be humming if something is chasing you. Again, it's like, mm, and you just create more vibration in yourself. Um, and if it's a challenge to move, I think the biggest thing is like when people, when we feel these emotions, the natural thing based on our development is to judge what's wrong, right? And I think something to reframe or something to look at is the type of questions we're asking when we're about to go on an adventure with like noticing or experiencing what these emotions are coming to show us. So it's changing the question instead of what's wrong is, what's here for me right now? What is what is the source of why I'm experiencing this? What do you want to show me? Like um, I was deadlifting about a year and a half to two years ago. And again, it's something that I'm, I'm used to doing, I, I yanked the right side of my lower back, right on top of my glute. And because of just practice and just knowing myself, I didn't go to, oh my gosh, my lower back. I I literally went, shit, okay, what do you need to tell me? And it said, stop forcing shit. And I was like, got it. So maybe it's something as simple as asking it a different question. Like not what's wrong. If you ask what it's going to keep showing you what's wrong. Um, you know, yeah, starting there, not judging it and then easing into the movement. Um, I'm a big, again, it's like if you, we're having these things for a reason and the body has uh, a just reason why it, it it's doing this. It's, it's usually from the source of protecting and creating what it thinks it's safe. So if we're now resisting or coming from this aspect of wanting to fight or force it, it's going to create a bigger wall. It's like, oh, okay, there, this there must actually be danger. So I'm right for feeling this. You want to ease into this. So it's like 
you don't have to do anything strenuous. Like maybe it's getting up and walking to your kitchen when you're feeling this or getting walking outside or doing a quick session of the box breath or humming, right? But something to bring more vibration to, to that moment. Hmm. And then what do you do with your daughter? Yes. So we're still learning that because she's growing i mean one was different from two two was definitely different from three and three is a whole new level because she's starting to this is and i I got this from another father um this is the stage where they're really really developing their own identity like their ego is being formed like the i is being formed so there's there's a really fine line i'm i'm still learning i don't i don't know it's like if any parents like support me too Mm. i don't know but there are moments where she does throw tantrums and it's like she didn't have her nap or she's just carrying a lot she wants to let go of and she just she just lets us have it in a parking lot and we're like and i'm just gonna be sometimes it's it's frustrating it's scary sometimes it brings up a lot of shit in me it's like oh rock what What's everyone, what's everyone thinking? And it's like, she doesn't want to get in the car. We're trying to get her in the car. And it looks like we're forcing a kid in the car. And it just looks like I'm creating, again, all these scenarios in my head. And I think for me, what I'm learning is <clears throat> the calmer I can become, she feels, because she, she's, still, she's still closest to her pure self. Her filters, she doesn't really have full filters yet. Mm. So she feels my wife and I. She feels everything. So if I'm rattled, she's expressing that as well. So the first thing I do is, how calm can I get? She'll feel it in my voice. She'll hear it in my voice. She'll see it in my energy. She'll see it in my posture. Right? How calm can I get? And the, the other fine line is not just calm. There's a, there's, a, there's a fine line between being calm and also creating standards with what she's able to do or not do. Because there's, we're also teaching her. It's like, oh, if we just let her do what she wants, she now knows, oh, this is a tool she can use when she's not getting what she wants. Mm. So there's this, it's tricky, man. And it's I've had to come to terms with knowing that there's going to be times as a parent where I mess up. And it's like the times where it's like I hold this really, really strong posture and my expression in my face is like, hey, listen, that's not a good idea. And I have to sometimes know that 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 posture in that moment could have taught her that it's not okay to feel what she's feeling. And, I'm, you know, I can't control that. Right. But again, I'm still doing the best that I can. So we're still learning. But for me, is can I get my place? Can I get to a place of calm to where she can express what she needs to? And then when she's done, we get to the source of why that happened. Because we, we, we communicate now like, hey, hey, baby, like, what was that? Like, what, what was going on? Right, and then when she's calm and when she's done, she'll tell us. That's the that's the magical thing about this is that when she gets to a place where she's calm and we're calm and it's like okay, cool. We have a conversation and she'll tell us what happened. She'll tell us how she felt. Mm. Right. So again, after we we learn that, our job is to at least my job is to support her in fulfilling those needs before she even needs to ask for them. Mm. Yeah. So I'm still learning. Yeah. I, I have one more question yes, that, that came yes, up with that. I love questions. So as adults, in, in my experience yeah. of feelings and mm. expression, right, 
and you've been saying this thing about your daughter, like she picks up on everything, right? Because of her age and most children at that mm-hmm. age, yeah, they do. And they pick up from you and your wife yep. and other people yep. around them yep. and TV and, and all oh. of the things, right? So sometimes <clears throat> what I've come to realize in my own experience is like, sometimes there is no reason. Are you, have you been able to communicate that to your daughter? And like how, cause like, so when you do ask her, like, yeah. what was that about? Is there times where she's like, I don't know. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I've, oh my gosh, I've literally, this has been my thing for the last almost three months. I've been, I've been communicating and sharing and I, I've come to this place. And I'm like, there are no reasons in the present. There's no reason while it's happening. And the need for reasons is the need to try to figure out like what was going on so you can stop it or whatever. Like, and it's like in the present moment, there are no reasons. So there's been many moments where she was like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay. And we'll just keep, we'll keep at it until there's a moment where you do know. And mm-hmm. then it's okay. I've gotten to this place where I've, I realized that everything is situational and there's this there's this dynamic in relationship and this dance this harmonious dance that i'm still learning how to build with the unknown because everything i know is great but everything i know is everything that's already happened which is in the past if i'm taking a lot of what i've already known in the path from the past into a situation that i don't know yet I could be limiting or inhibiting or stifling something that just needs to be. Mm. So I'm also very mindful of like, oh, there's some times where it's just, I don't know. And that's okay. And I don't need to know. And not knowing will help me eventually know. So there's this, it's, there's this dance, but it's very situational. I've really, I've, I've, I've decided to own that. It's very, yes, there are principles, there are standards, that we that I uphold that we uphold right there are values that I uphold that we uphold but there's this also there's this area where it's just like I don't know very situational and I think that's also what in my opinion it's what keeps the fire going for the other things because life is evolving it's always moving I can't have these values or principles that are stuck or fixed if they're fixed and I'm not evolving with the natural cycles. So there's this, there's always this area for me to like exchange or at least have a different version of what it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So when people listen to this and they yeah. fall in love with you and they want to <laughs> learn so much more about mm. everything that you're talking about, how do they find out more? How do they, if they, if it's okay, how do they reach out to you for yeah. questions? Uh, right now, a lot of a lot of my work and a lot of where a lot of the attention while I'm building my backend stuff currently right now is on Instagram. So reach out to me on Instagram, Samson underscore Strength. Um, yeah, it's I I do respond to the DMs at least for now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm human, so for me, I believe in in, in connection. I believe in you know having conversation. So. Um, I respond to the DM, send me a message. And like I said, for now, it may get to a place where I'm not able to respond as attentively as presently, but that's where it's happening right now until um, we're building the other stuff to to support you know people 
where they need to go and stuff. So, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And if people are the type that they, they feel like they want to plant this seed, but they're not ready to harvest, is there like a book that you'd recommend, yeah. like a top resource <clears throat> for them to start consuming? Um, first book that comes to mind is Breath by James Nestor. So that's a really good start. Um, he goes into the art of breathing, um, goes into some science stuff, but it's a really good book to really start to develop at least consciously a relation with what the breath is and what it does. There's what it is, but then there's the aspect of what it does and why it does what it does. So that's a really good book I, I, I often have people start with. And then you honestly can just like look up stuff or you can reach out to me. Um, I do workshops. I'm going to be doing in-person events. So yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, much absolutely. for diving so deep Thank with you me for having on all me, of brother. it. Thank yeah. you for having me. Do